This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 178. On today's show, we're talking a little college football at the top. Why? Because my Jayhawks are 3-0. Then we're moving on to the fantasy panic meter. We've had some rough starts for a few guys that we were high on coming into the season, namely Kyle Pitts. And then we're going to run through some of the others, namely Derrick Henry. And I'm not going to spoil it all, but CD Lamb, he'll be in there for sure. (laughs) We're going to run through a handful of guys and let you know how we're feeling about them the rest of the way. And then talk about some NFL league pass rankings, which teams are jumping out at us this year. Must watch on Sundays when our teams aren't on. And then we're going to close it off with our big swing and picks. Rough week for me last week, but we are bouncing back in week three. Jackson, how'd you do? I'm 0-2. Your uh, Dallas Cowboys somehow, somehow beat the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, my Moneyline parlay missed. So we're getting a little different strategy going this week. We're getting back on the right track. All right, let's do it. Starting with college football, Jackson, I'll let you take the lead on your pokes. You guys played Arkansas Pine Bluff this past week. Yeah, not a lot to note there other than by the middle of the second quarter, the second stringers were in. So I think Spencer Sanders had four touchdowns in the first quarter, something like that, ran up the numbers. Gundy could have left him in a little bit longer, you know, maybe help him out, get some awards, all Big 12 stuff, possibly if he could have thrown for another two or 300 in that game, but wanted to get his son in the game, his first big action. He looked pretty good, and other than that, I don't have a ton of notes. We dropped one spot in the rankings down from eight to nine. Kentucky jumped us, kind of bitter, but I get it. So not a ton of notes on the pokes this week. Plenty of season left to climb up the rankings for sure. You guys are off this week, I believe, and then you come back October 1st at Baylor, the 17th-ranked Baylor Bears. First big test for the Cowboys this year. Uh, clearly the Arizona state win didn't mean a whole lot. They fired no. Edward on the field this past week. So looking forward to that one. Um, before we jump to the Jayhawks, yeah, they've announced that Bedlam is officially over after I believe 2024. How are you feeling about it? I am just, I'm dead. That's official, official, official. Yes. They are not going to be playing Bedlam anymore after the move to the sec. It's stupid. How am I breaking this news to you? Because I work and I get busy during the day and stories that break, I just miss it. And I'm also on a different time cycle. I don't know. When did that come out? Middle of the day, your time? Uh, I think a couple days ago, maybe. Really? I don't know, man. It wasn't a ton of time on Twitter. Huh? Well, I think it was kind of assumed it would happen when the conference split came to be, it would be pretty insane to think they would try and schedule that non-conference every year. So I, maybe it just hasn't been a big talking point because everyone kind of assumed it would happen, but is what it is. It stinks because I feel like the Pokes were finally getting the football program consistently into the top 25 over the last 10, 15 years. Haven't quite had the success against OU that you would want, but I think over time we were going to start to go blow for blow with them more often. Obviously now with them being in the SEC, having I would assume a lot more money at hand to give through NIL deals, more recruiting power. Yeah, they're going to be in a whole nother category than us. And we'll forever be the big brother or the little brother, I should say. But (laughs) is what it is. I'll give the OU fans the satisfaction of hearing that. Yeah, growing up, that was a game I looked forward to every season. Oklahoma State football meant more than any other sport to me as a fan. Same. 
So losing this rivalry is a huge blow. I mean, it's getting together with my closest family friends, my cousins, my my friends from back home. Like Bedlam was a big part of our calendar year. So for that yeah. to be gone, you know, I'm usually home for it back in Tulsa anyway. So Yeah, it sucks because it's always around Thanksgiving. And so it matches up well where you can either meet up with friends that are in town or you can all go to Norman or Stillwater, watch the game, whatever it is did it last year and it worked out pretty well coming from California, you know, going home for Thanksgiving, a little trip up to Stillwater. It worked out so well, disappointing, but you know, on to, uh, on to better things. Hopefully we move on and you guys might run the big 12. So you'll take, Oh, you hopefully goes to the middle of the pack in the sec and they can go <laughs> kick rocks. I wish nothing but the worst for them. I have no reason to try and pretend and root for them. Now they're not in the conference. They left like a bunch of cowards took the easy money grab. Fuck them. Let's talk about the red hot Kansas football Jayhawks three and O for the first time since, I mean, since the Mangino be, years, it might be the orange bowl year. I, I, I don't know for sure, but the team looks for real two straight weeks. They've gone down zero to 14 to start the game and have just roared back scored 20, I think more than 28 unanswered against Houston. By Even the time with, I checked the score, it was 28 to 14. So I'll tell you that. That was the first I saw of it. Yeah. Even with a weather delay thrown in there, they came out 45 minutes later with their foot on the gas still. First play after the delay, score a touchdown. And Jalen Daniels, our quarterback, is on fire right now. He currently has the highest QBR of all time ahead of. 2020 Mac Jones, 2018 Kyler, 2019 Burrow, 2019 Tua, 2011 only Russell Only three Wilson. games, though. Only Not to be that guy, but only three games. Only three games. That's right. I haven't really played a powerhouse defense by any means, but Houston's defensive front was supposed to be respectable, and we ran right through them. We bullied them up front. Um, our running backs, uh, Highshaw and Devin Neal, look fabulous. Um, they're doing big things. And then Jalen Daniels as a runner, 12 carries for 123 yards this past week, two touchdowns. He's doing it in every which way. And finally, we're hosting Duke this weekend in Lawrence. I will be there. They're saying it might be a sellout crowd, which is something I, bet it is. Something I never saw in my five years as a KU student. So I'm pumped up. They're 3-0. We're a nine-point favorite right now, I believe. It could have moved a little bit. Duke's not a bad team. Duke is not a bad team. And that's a big number. That is a big number. Scares me a little bit. sounds nice for Duke. Yeah, but you should also feel good about that. If Vegas thinks you're that much better, that should kind of be a little reassuring. I'm sure that that point total is like 70. But let me ask you this. So you have beaten two real teams at this point in Houston and West Virginia. Those are teams that are probably going to make a bowl game, might jump into the top 25 at some point or had a chance to. Yeah, West Virginia is not looking too hot, if we're being honest. But still, two legit teams. Two two straight road wins, too, as well. Yeah, good point. What are you realistically hoping for the rest of the season? Are you just hoping bowl game? Are you thinking, like, make a run in the Big 12? You thinking a little Mangino miracle, try to go 12-0? and 0? Like, what's what's realistically your thoughts here? Realistically, I'm trying to make a bowl game. <laughs> that would be a massive win for 
the KU faithful. I think anything more than that is wishful thinking. We haven't come close in recent memory. So, you know, one conference road win already is a huge plus. I know we beat Texas on the road last year, but to get one early on in the season and then to see a little pathway to a few more wins, Duke would be four. Then we have Iowa State for homecoming next weekend. I think that's a winnable game. Winnable, but tough. They don't score a lot, though. If y'all can hang points on them, you might be in a good spot. Winnable, but tough. And then we host TCU the following week. And then don't get me started on the Kansas State Wildcats, who lost a home to Tulane this week. We have them the last game of the year. If if we're... if we have five wins going into that one, oh baby, there's gonna be some bad blood, uh, depending on the outcome of that. That'd game. be fun. That yeah. would be fun. Quick side note: I was listening to Russillo the other day about college football. He has Bruce Feldman on. They start talking Big Twelve, and Bruce Feldman's talking about how no one at the top in the Big Twelve is any good, and Kansas State is his pick to win it. And I immediately turned it off. Like Kansas State winning the Big Twelve just exposed yourself. You do not watch Big Twelve football. Okay, no, a, a lot of moving. people. A lot of people had them as their Big 12 winner this year, as a sleeper, Which is dark just horse, whatever. As to how you could pick them over Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Baylor, even over Texas, blows my mind. But, hey, more power to you that don't actually watch the Big 12 play, I guess. I love I love some Feldman, but yeah, bad take. That was, that um, was bad. I thought you were going to say that Nebraska is trying to pull our guy, Lance Leopold, to Lincoln. Because apparently atop the Nebraska coaching search is Urban Meyer, Lance Leipold, I've seen that. and a couple other names that I'm not aware of right now. <laughs> we're all we're all very concerned about this. But Lance came out yesterday, said, you know, we're older. My wife and I, we didn't come here to move again. We're here. Yeah, for the not long in the middle haul. of the season. Yeah, that's good. I, I don't think there's a chance in hell he were he would leave during the season and. I also don't think making one bowl game is finishing the job. I don't think that's the reason he came here. He wants to see it out, make them a sustain, uh, make them successful year after year, have a chance at a bowl game every single year. It's not six wins bounce and they're back to three wins a year or less. That, that would be a bad way to leave the program. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. So looking ahead to this weekend, there's a few games that I'm excited about. Duke at Kansas is one of them. Another morning game that I'm looking forward to, Clemson at Wake Forest. I think that's going to be pretty telling if DJ is going to be able to hang and put up the points or if it's going to be the club Nick show in the second half. So that game should be telling. I think it's going to answer a lot of questions about Clemson. And then I'm also excited for Florida at Tennessee because that one in kind of a similar vein should answer a lot of questions about Tennessee. They should be the better team. Florida has not looked awesome like they did week one. I think people are starting to kind of come off Anthony Richardson a little bit, and Tennessee should win that game, but we'll find out. That's a rivalry. Should be damn good. Do you have anything on any of those earlier games? Yeah, I think this is the first real kind of trap scenario for Clemson. We'll figure out just how good they are with this one. That 11 a.m. kick has to concern you a little as a Clemson fan. Um, And then Tennessee... I think there's a chance they are for real. Hendon Hooker, since he took over the starting job, has thrown 42 touchdowns and only two interceptions. He appears to be the real deal. Um, I think they beat Florida 
handily in that one. Uh, the other ones I'm taking a look at are Arkansas at A&M. Arkansas has been yep. rolling along. They didn't beat Missouri State quite the way I thought they would. And Missouri State were in that game. I was I had yeah. that on with Lucas here, and I thought Missouri State was going to get the win. Shout out Lucas there. <laughs> yeah, and then I also am interested in Arkansas and A&M. I think that that's going to be another one of those where we're going to find out if Arkansas is legit. Yeah, and what kind of team is A&M really after the App State loss? Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a home game for them. And then lastly, I want to see how K-State responds after the home loss to Tulane. They play at OU. Uh, OU hasn't really played anyone that great yet. Nebraska is clearly trash. They lost to Georgia Southern at home. So yeah, but they they looked good against Nebraska, man. They looked good. That's you know that's a rivalry game. Stuff kind of goes out the window there. People, a lot of people were picking Nebraska to cover, and I thought there was a chance it could be a game, but it never was from the start. OU just destroyed them. K State usually plays them fairly close, so keep that's an true. eye on that one. All right, a couple others I'm looking forward to: Tulsa at Ole Miss. Spread isn't as big as you would think. I think it's less than two touchdowns, so who knows? Maybe the Golden Hurricane go in there and play spoiler to Jackson Dard and Lane Kiffin. Other one I'm looking at, Wisconsin at Ohio State. I have a strange gut feeling that that is like a 21-17 game, and it might wind up being closer than people expect, and everyone's kind of freaking out in that night window, like, turn on, turn on Wisconsin-Ohio State, like, they might go down. I got a feeling we could have that happen. Now I say that and watch it be sixty-one to three Ohio State, but <laughs> weird feeling. That's the way I'm think leaning. Wisconsin might hang around. And then the last one, the late late game, which would be like a nine thirty kickoff for you, USC at Oregon State. USC is only a three point favorite in that game. Last I looked, so maybe Vegas is trying to tell us something. Oregon State's supposed to be pretty good. I will definitely be tuning into that one. Okay. Yeah. I'm Actually, not I take that about... back. It is not at three points. It's at six points. Not okay. sure if the lines moved or I wrote that down wrong, but still less than one touchdown. All right. I think USC rolls. I think Ohio State rolls. And hopefully the Golden Hurricane can give Lane Kiffin a test. All right. I think we're going to see some upsets this weekend. I don't think it'll be chalk. All right. Well, Kansas is not going to get upset. That's all I know. Anything else on college football? No, let's move it over to some fantasy. All right. We obviously gave you guys a lot of takes to digest going into your fantasy drafts. So we want to run through some of the biggest names who have not uh, met expectations thus far. And we're going to talk about how we feel about them the rest of the way. Jackson, I'm going to start with the first one. I think the biggest panic meter across the fantasy landscape is Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons. Interesting. Do you not agree? Two I, two straight games of two catches for 19 yards. That is pathetic yeah. from someone you're taking as a third rounder or earlier in some cases. It is, but it's also at the tight end position. So you're not just going to be absolutely screwed if he only puts up four or five points for you. There's a chance you could be going up against another tight end that does something similar, unless it's Mark Andrews or probably Kelsey. So 
I don't think it's that bad. I also think you can look at last year's body of work and he did have some solid weeks. It wasn't as much as you would have hoped with how high they picked him, but he still had some damn good weeks where he was very serviceable. He was in starting lineups. So if this was his only sample size with Arthur Smith, I'd be concerned. But I'm not that worried because we can look at last year. And I think that there's been enough media pushback, enough fan pushback, specifically from Falcons fans, where he's going to get the ball a hell of a lot more this week. Arthur Smith does not want to get berated with questions about why isn't Kyle Pitts getting more touches for another week at the podium following what's probably going to be another loss. So I would expect Kyle Pitts to have a pretty good week this week and start to right the ship. Okay. I'm glad you feel that way. Makes me feel a little bit better. If you look at the schedule, they did open up against the Saints and the Rams, two good defenses, uh, and now they have the Falcons this week. I actually think the Falcons could be thrown in a money line parlay as a dog there. Who do they have? Oh, the Seahawks. Did I did I say they have the Falcons? Yeah, I got you though. A lot of birds here. Come on, come me some slack. And they're they're pretty similar. Neither of them are great. I do think the Seahawks are a little bit better and think they'll win that game, but I wouldn't be surprised really? if maybe the Falcons do get a win. Yeah, I'm I mean, just not impressed with Atlanta, man. I just feel like they're kind of a fake team. They'll score in garbage time like they have the last five years, and the Seahawks are probably going to go up two scores. It's going to be like 14-3. to three. Atlanta's going to get a touchdown with three minutes left and then somehow get the ball back. And I don't know, man. I just feel like it's going to be one of those games where Atlanta's chasing from behind and it's not very exciting. All right. Well, they were in that Saints game the whole time with the lead, most of it, lost by one to a Will Lutz field goal. And then they they roar all the way back and give the Rams a scare. If Jalen Ramsey doesn't pick Mariota off, maybe they win that game. Yeah, maybe, but they had no business being there. It was a pretty colossal collapse by the Rams. Before we move on, I got to give you some credit on your Drake London take. He's sitting at over a 30% target share through two games. He's killing it as well as Garrett Wilson. Some of these rookie receivers, I mean, most of them. Olave has been good too. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, Traylon Burks is starting to look pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I think all of them went too late in drafts. Uh, these guys who hi, uh, high draft capital was used on them. Uh, so I think we were way too low on these rookie receivers that went in the first round. Yeah, all of them except Sky Moore and like Christian Watson. Those two have been pretty disappointing, but the rest have boomed. Like the top, top guys have been damn good. Right. So something to note for next year. All right. Who's your first guy? My first guy, C.D. Lamp, and I'm interested to hear how you feel because as a Cowboys fan, it should be a lot more telling on how concerned I should be. But right now, I'm about at a 6 out of 10 on the panic meter. Yeah, it was very positive to see Cooper Rush connect with him this past week. Mm -hmm. He put up 15 fantasy points, um, played a pretty solid game. You'd still like to see him be more of a focal point in the offense because it almost seemed like Noah Brown was the wide receiver one against the Bengals. Um, I'm pretty concerned about him. I yeah. I had to take him in the first round of a fantasy league because of stupid keeper rules. I feel like I have no chance of winning because of it. He's he's just not a first round pick. Um, yeah. I, think, I took I him second round in two leagues and I'm I'm frustrated with myself for doing it because eight <laughs> catches for 77 yards or whatever the stat line was from last week. That was about 15 points. 
that's what you're expecting in the average kind of down weeks. And then you're hoping that he's going to have these boom weeks where he catches eight or nine balls for 120 and two touchdowns or something. And I'm just not feeling like we're ever going to see that. And part of the problem is, like you mentioned, Noah Brown looked like the number one wide receiver. And that's because he's open. CD is not open. A lot of times when you look at him run his route or you just watch him during the play, he's getting help from everywhere. A lot of times he's doubled. Sometimes there's even three guys around him by the time, whether it's Dak or Cooper Rush is actually releasing the ball. So there's guys like Noah Brown that are wide open. And of course you want to throw to the ball at the guy that's open, you know, especially if you're Cooper Rush, you're not going to force it in a double or triple coverage. And what makes me even a little bit more concerned, Dalton Schultz got hurt last week. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be something season ending, but I'm not sure he's going to be back this week and don't know how much time he's going to miss yet. So if another one of their big time targets is gone and it's just going to be CD and Noah Brown and we'll see what happens with Gallup, hopefully he comes back healthy. That would help. Michael Gallup's supposed to come back this week, potentially. So this week or next. I hope he looks good. Yeah, we'll see how the targets are dispersed with Gallup back in the lineup. It's just concerning because while him and Cooper Rush did show a connection, I don't see McCarthy and Kellen Moore putting Cooper Rush in shootout position where he's going to be slinging the ball 30 times a game. That's just not going to happen. When Dak gets back, that's your only hope. But after a 15-point week, if I'm a CeeDee Lamb owner, I am trying to trade him right now this week before they play the Giants. I'm getting him off my team, trying to get anybody back, hoping they bite on that name mm. value. Man, I'm not quite to that point. I'm hoping for one really big week before I look to sell, but uh, that's not a not a bad take to go ahead and just rip the Band-Aid off now and try and get some serviceable pieces or another quality receiver or running back swapped for him. I mean, you look at the receivers that went after him. It's like Tyreek, Waddle, Pittman, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen... I want every I single one of those guys over CD. It's not even close. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I took a cowboy. I never do it. That's like one of my golden rules is never touch the Dallas Cowboys gambling <laughs> or fantasy. I just don't do it unless I'm baiting them. And sure enough, this year I was like, no, CD's going to be the number one there. You know, Gallup when he's back, James Washington, Schultz, that offense should be good. Tony Pollard and Zeke, they'll be able to spread it around. CD might even be one-on-one sometimes. He should eat. Not the case. Yeah. Um, I'm just not totally sure he has that dog in him either. I hate to use the cliche, but he just, it just doesn't come off the screen every time. So he's got the cool first down celebration. It might just be that. Um, since you're talking about the Cowboys, let's go ahead and talk about Zeke Elliott, who uh-huh. has put up 105 yards through two games, and he's sitting at RB48. Where are you at on Zeke? It's over. It's <laughs> over. Like, the guy's done. If you have him in Dynasty, just try to trade him now. Get anything back, because I feel like it's going to be more and more of the Tony Pollard show the rest of the year. Zeke doesn't provide much. He's a decent blocker, I guess, in the past game, but he's not explosive. He's not that strong. He doesn't seem like he's in amazing shape. I mean, there's been the videos of him out doing, you know, partying, having fun. Looked like what was right before the season. I'm not sure that this guy is all the way bought in and he's old enough as a running back where if he's not just so determined to stay in shape, stay in the league, 
keep averaging four plus yards per carry. It's not going to happen. And I think the window's just closing. And I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to do everything he can to extend his career. Like someone like Adrian Peterson did that was able to play for a long time. I just don't see Zeke doing that. Yeah. And it comes back to the rush thing again. If they can stay competitive in these games and not get too far behind, I do think they'll keep going to Zeke on early downs. Um, I actually do think he's looked better on the eye than he did last year playing through the injury, but still I'm with you. (laughs) I don't think he's going to pay off his ADP. Just an unfortunate situation. He's getting up there in the age model. So might be time to move on from Zeke. Yeah. And all the explosive plays that came in the ground game last week, it was Tony Pollard. Every time red zones flip into the Cowboys Bengals game and the Cowboys breaking off a big run and Hanson getting excited. It's always Tony Pollard. It's not Zeke. This is not new either. All right. Who's your next guy? (laughs) My next guy is Joe Burrow. So kind of staying on the Cowboys theme here. This last week, it was not great. The offensive line once again struggled. And I'm starting to get a little bit concerned, but I'm nowhere close to pressing the panic button. I'm not freaking out. I'd put it at like a 2 or a 2.5 out of 10 on the panic meter because none of the offense played in the preseason for the most part. The offensive line is entirely new. It's going to take time. You need chemistry. And then Joe Burrow also had surgery that was kind of serious getting his appendix removed pretty close to the start of the season. So I don't think that he's quite in peak shape mentally or physically yet. And the whole offense is still getting back in the groove of things. And over the next few weeks, it's going to start to click. And Micah Parsons is no scrub. I mean, he was giving them hell last week. I don't think that they're going to be going against that every single week in and out. And things are going to get better for the Bengals offense. They're going to start to win some games. Are you concerned about Joe? Not at all. Am I concerned about the Bengals winning the division because we both like them to do so? Yeah, I am with that 0-2 start. Uh, I'm with you on the O-line taking some time to mesh, but you're right. They played against a premier pass rusher this past week in Parsons, a sack leader, future looking all right. And then TJ Watt in week one with the new new O-line. Like, so it's fine. Joe will start to connect with his guys once again. They play the Jets this week. This is as get-right game as it gets. So I think they get back on track here. He throws two or three touchdowns, and Joe Burrow will be just fine. I did see today that he deleted social media, so Joe Cool's locked in. Yeah. Yeah. Did see that. Haven't seen much this week, apparently, missing the Bedlam news, but I did see that. All right, who's your next guy? Let's let's. Kick you another quarterback while we're at it. How about Tom Brady? QB mm. 30 through two weeks, averaging 10.4 points per game, 201 yards um, on average. I am legit concerned about Brady, but I know his weapons have been depleted. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm not concerned. Like you said, the weapons have been depleted, and frankly, both of these games, the last two weeks, they haven't needed to score a bunch of points. They're 2-0, and are they not? They are, somehow. So, somehow, really ugly win. The defense has been great. The defense has been great, and Tom Brady has not needed to force the ball down the field. He hasn't needed to execute long, methodical drives where they're scoring points, or maybe it's quicker drives where they're trying to get back into the game in a two-minute drill. He hasn't had to do that. They can just turn clock, run the ball, try to pick up first downs, 
Take your time, low risk, let the defense do their job. They're not going to give up many points. Just play it safe on offense and don't lose the game. It's always had to do. I think things will tick up a little bit once they start to get, you know, the typical guys back. Mike Evans isn't suspended anymore. They get Godwin <laughs> out there. Julio hopefully is healthy, although whatever the hell he's point, even he injured might just, with. I don't know. A, a knee, I think he might just always be on the injury report for the rest of his career, but those guys will get back. And they also picked up Cole Beasley. That's probably going to take a little bit of a time to develop a connection with I Brady. I think that's why Brady like they've been today. talking. <laughs> think so? It was, it was his off day, Wednesday. But I know. He practice today. I think it's because he's trying to work in with Cole Beasley, get some reps. Probably so. I expect him to get some snaps. I doubt he's going to have fantasy relevance, but maybe over the course of the season, if he wins over Brady and kind of plays in that slot position, he might. Yeah, I am concerned with Brady. Um, not too much, but I'm not starting him this week. If you're a Brady owner, I'm looking for a streamer. I like Jared Goff against the Vikings this week. I like Carson Wentz. Maybe. That's well, interesting. Wentz, Wentz has balled out. He's QB4, but the Eagles is sort of a tough matchup. Um, any streaming options you like? I'm not starting Brady no, against I think the it's Packers interesting with no Mike Evans, no Julio Jones, Gage has been disappointing. No Godwin. Who's he throwing the ball to this week? You can't start him. I'm starting him over Derek Carr or Goff in Dynasty. He's my QB too. I got him in there. Well, he's cost me two straight weeks uh, putting up 10 points. So I'm going to Goff. Oh, so you're bitter. You're bitter. Well, we can talk after this. I'll trade you Goff in Dynasty. (laughs) I'll gladly trade you Goff. I know you need it. Mac Jones ain't going to cut it. And you don't I want the don't... massage man on your team. I know you don't. So we can talk. We can you, talk. You sit, sit him this week against the Packers. Evans comes back and they play the Chiefs at home on the second. That's when you put Brady back in your lineup with confidence. All right. Who do you got next? Next guy. I imagine you have him as well. Derek Henry. Yep. Watching that game Monday night. I think it's impossible not to be concerned. He doesn't seem to have much burst. The Titans O-line doesn't look great. Taylor Lewan goes down. You mentioned it in our group text. We were talking about it. You said that could be a big deal. It proved to be, and sounds like he's out for the year. So I'm just looking at a guy who's barely averaging over three yards a carry. He's getting quite a bit older. The team around him doesn't look as good as it's been the last few years. I think he might be on the decline. And that foot injury last year really started the kind of downhill process. I don't know. I don't want to overreact, but I don't see the old Derrick Henry coming back the way he was. This is this is not the same guy who ran for 2000 yards. I agree. I'm glad I didn't get him in any leagues this year. Same. Uh, he was a 10 foot pole guy or at least borderline. Yeah, he's RB 36. He's averaging 3.1 yards per attempt. That's something we kind of hinted at uh, preseason. And when have you ever heard the announcers of a Titans game give props to the guy behind Henry? They're talking up Dontrell Hilliard during that game, saying they like him in the past game. They like him in pass pro. All that means is Henry is on the field less, and he's truly He didn't play third downs. He didn't play third downs. He was just a first and second down back in that entire game until he got pulled. First, second down, and goal line. So... I mean, that's that's Josh Jacobs we're talking about. That's the reality at this point. He's getting up there. If he has a boom week, I think you have to get rid of him. And you mentioned it. The O-line stinks. Tannehill, 
without AJ Brown is going to be a lesser quarterback. It's just yep. tough luck. Hopefully, you- yeah, and they were they weren't even stacking the box Monday night. That's the craziest thing. It was Lewis Riddick was pretty good on that game. He was mentioning it. He was like, Derek Henry is not getting anywhere. And this is not a strong box he's running into. There's six, seven guys in there. It's not like they're putting eight and really packing it. And I have here, I have it here in my notes. Nine out of ten on panic meter. I trade him for whatever I can get after his next big week. So I'm right yeah. there with you. After he has a big week, get rid of him. Couldn't agree more. Um, this one I don't think you're going to be as concerned about. It's Najee Harris. He's RB20, averaging 12.3 points per game. But he's a guy I was kind of off this year at the first round ADP. If you could get him early second, I can understand it. But here's why. The offensive line clearly stinks. Mitch Trubisky, we've seen enough already. They need to go to Kenny Pickett. He can't move the ball whatsoever. And Najee's putting up 2.9 yards per attempt. I just don't like what I'm seeing from the Steelers offense. I think it's going to be hard for him to pay off that top seven, top eight ADP unless they make the quarterback change. It looks pretty bleak. Uh, I disagree. He's playing through injury. He left the game for a period in the very first one. And so Jalen Warren's been getting more carries than he will when Najee's hair, when Najee's fully healthy later on. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers O-line was worse last year than it is this year. It's objectively better. Not much better, I'm but it's not better. I'm 100% convinced. Okay, well, Najee still ran for a shit ton of yards last year. I believe it was somewhere around 1,200 with a piss-poor line. So I don't see any reason why he can't come close to that this year, and he's still going to be involved in the passing game. He's going to get the goal line carries. I think he'll be fine. He's just got to get over this foot injury and get to 100% healthy, or at least close to it. I the main reason I bring him up and I do think he'll have he'll continue to have value because of his ability in the past game. Main reason I bring him up after Henry is because once again we underrated receivers at the top of fantasy drafts. I think we're seeing a theme this year so far. Go receiver heavy. Build your team either 0 RB or hero RB, get the one Thank workhorse you. guy. That's 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 what I've been preaching for years, man. And Wide receivers are the key. That's usually the theme I'm on, but you look at the first rounders this year, and the wide receivers are killing the running backs. Look at average points per game through two weeks. I know it's a really small sample size, but there aren't yep. running backs on that list. Other than no, Saquon. I mean you compare. Compare Derrick Henry to Cooper Cup or compare Najee Harris to Stefan Diggs or Justin Jefferson. Yeah, it's it's night and day, but I still feel better about Najee than I do Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, a lot of those guys. I think because of the pass catching value, the fact that he's going to get the goal line touches and he ran for 1,200 yards last year, it's only a second season in the league. I think you add all that together and he still is worth a borderline first round pick, but he's got to get healthy. Yeah, I'm just saying compare... Henry, Najee, Dalvin, Kamara, to Diggs, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, you name it. I, know. I wish I would have. I, I wish I had those receivers this year. Um, here we are. All right. You got anyone else here? Yeah, I've got a couple others. So Travis Etienne. He's I on my list. I recently made a, a pretty questionable trade. I <laughs> traded Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders for him. 
with my thought process being I'm only going to be able to play one of the guys week to week. I feel better about ETN week in and week out due to his pass catching ability and the fact that he was a first round pick. He played in college with Trevor Lawrence. That's his guy. He's going to look for him. He's going to get touches. He should be good in PPR leagues. Now, he fumbled in his first game. That doesn't help anything. He's only getting about 45% of the snaps right now. And James Robinson is playing pretty well, averaging like he looks you know, damn three, good. Eh, 3.8 yards per carry. He's picked up some touchdowns. I mean, he's he's very serviceable. And the way I think about it, James Robinson is much lower risk for them. You know, he's been in the league a few years. He's got, you know, some dings on him now. He's coming back from major surgery. So is ETN. They've invested a lot more in ETN. So you're not going to want to rush him back in the same way where you might be willing to kind of turn James Robinson loose early in the season coming back from big injury because you haven't invested much. You've already gotten two good years out of him. I mean, anything that he can produce, it's kind of just bonus at this point. And with ETN, you still have big expectations. And so I think about him kind of like this. They're both like cars. You know, you pick up a Camry, you get it for a bargain. It's next to nothing. And then a year or two later, you splurge, you buy yourself a nice, brand new, luxurious Lexus. And of course, you're going to be more likely to drive the Camry early on because, you know, you're not afraid to put miles on it. You're younger. You're not worried about it. It has decent gas mileage. It does everything you need to do. But if you ever have a big date or a big job interview or you start to become more successful, you're going to drive the Lexus more and you're going to want that Lexus for the more important moments. That's how I feel about these two running backs. James Robinson, he's that Camry. You know, he's reliable. You got him for cheap. He's going to do the job. He's serviceable. If you need to just get the job done, take the Camry. You put a ding or a scratch on it. Oh, well. You take that Lexus and you want to protect it. You want to have it there for the big moments. You want to make sure you get your value and you have it later on when you start to really become successful and you need that nicer car to keep up the image and make sure, you know, you're, you're covering your bases, looking good, feeling good, playing good. That's ETN. ETN's the Lexus. As the season goes on, he's going to get more use. They're going to be more willing to put those miles on him because it's going to be in bigger moments, and they're going to have him tuned up for the playoffs where they're going to turn him loose. And yes, I just said I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to make the playoffs. Whoa. Not concerned about ETN at all. Wow. Okay. I'm on board with the analogy. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not really concerned about ETN thus far. It hasn't gone the way I would have liked. He's only got 67 rush yards. Robinson's getting goal line work. Um, But but ETN over five yards a carry in that small sample size. We like that. And look at it. They beat the Colts 24 to zero in a game like that. They're going to run the ball and try to, they're going to try to make the game as short as possible. So that's going to bode well for Robinson but you look ahead at their schedule. They play the Jaguars this week. If they're playing in a negative game script, that's going to be great. They are Travis the Jaguars, Etienne. Chief. <laughs> the Chargers. I said they're playing the Chargers, right? You said they're playing the Jaguars. Jeez. You did it again. I'm going to hey, leave that in. <laughs> leave it in. I dare you. Um, no, but I don't think they're going to beat every team they play 24 to 0. Agreed. The game script's going to be a lot different, and that is going to bode well for ETN. Yeah, he's coming off that injury. He'll get worked in. They know what they have in Robinson. Not too concerned about it. I think you can still start ETN as an RB2 if you have to. Mm-hmm. I don't want him in my flex right now. I'd rather have a receiver in there. 
But yeah, it's, that's always the rule of thumb. ETN's going to get more work, and I think he's going to get more involved in the pass game. I mean, he's got three targets one game, four another. I think three targets is that baseline where you're guaranteed he's going to get that each week. And they're going to look for him on some routes coming out of the backfield where he might have that one big pass that he catches down the sideline for 50 yards and a tutty every few weeks. It might happen. Yeah, he's certainly explosive enough to pull that off. Uh, so I'm with you, not too concerned about ETN. It was always the long game with him. Um, right. Let me talk about my next running back. It's Cam Akers, RB59. Oh, yeah. He, he comes back after a disastrous week one and carries the ball quite a bit. I think he had 15 carries, but he only has 44 rushing yards on 18 total carries so far. It looks terrible. Daryl Henderson is getting the passing work and the goal line work. I'm sorry, but if you used a third round pick or a fourth round pick on Acres, I think you burned your money alive right there. You threw it. You're in the, hurting. You threw it in You're the fire. Hurting. I really don't see a world where this pays off. Um, you just have to hope Henderson gets hurt, and even then, I'm not. Ah, you can't feel say that. that. I know. You can't I know. Say that. <laughs> I know. I I have to say it though. Jeez, Peter, that's terrible. I, I don't. I don't I'm kidding. Any I'm shares kidding. I'm busting your balls. Yeah. But I think you're right. There's there's real reason to be concerned with Acres, and the only way that it gets better is if he starts busting off big runs, and they just have no other choice but to feed him the rock. Because right now Henderson looks like the better back, and there's a reason he's getting more snaps. And neither one of them even look all that great in the first place. The running game yeah. doesn't look that great for them. So yeah, tough one. If you have acres, really not sure what to tell you. One to 10, where would you put that on a, the, the panic meter here? Probably a nine. Yeah, I think that's fair. I in think you gotta go like, at least eight of where you drafted him. I could have had Jalen Waddle over acres. Like, are you kidding me? I'm so glad I, I verbatim picked Waddle over acres in two leagues where I looked at it like ah, acres still here. It's okay. Value technically, but give me the receiver PPR. I know he's going to get those catches. Yeah. Dodged a bullet there. All right. You got anybody else? I got one more. It's kind of a duo. I'll throw out. Uh, hit that, and I have two quick ones to rattle off. I think they're both pretty common. You'd be a little bit concerned with them. Okay. This is a combo. It's Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet of the Chicago Bears. The Bears have only thrown the ball 28 times this year. Yeah. Mooney has five targets, and Cole Komet has zero catches on the year. You can drop him, as far as I'm concerned. You can drop them both. This is just terrible it's pathetic um i i warned everyone about the bears i didn't think it would be this bad this is crazy they threw the ball 11 times in a game where they were down the whole time yeah monday night football was bad monday night football is definitely bad but sunday i don't want to react too much because they played in a monsoon week one so you can kind of throw that out the window so we're really just looking at one game here Okay, one game in which they were down the majority of the time. They threw it 11 times. I mean, I agree with you enough to say, yeah, you should probably drop Komet and Mooney, but I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to have a little bit of hope with Fields. I know it's not just him. A lot of it's the Bears organization as the overarching problem, but I'm trying not to overreact too, too much. Still, with those two guys, though, I'd be at a 10 out of 10 on the panic meter, so... That tells you how uh, how I'm doing with trying not to overreact too much. 
All right, give me your last one. Okay, so James Cook, very similar to ETN. Fumbled in his first game. That's never going to help you out. He barely played anymore after that. He got a decent amount of snaps in garbage time last week when they got up big. Averaged um, or put up 11 carries for 53 yards. Averaged almost five yards a carry. So that's a solid sign for him. But I'm pretty concerned because Zach Moss is getting a lot of work. Devin Singletary doesn't look bad. And fumbling week one, as soon as you get in the game on a championship caliber team, it's not going to work. You know, it's not the same as fumbling for a team that doesn't have championship aspirations where they can get over it. If that would have cost him the game, he might not have seen the field for weeks. So I'm pretty concerned with James Cook. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I might go as far to say just go ahead and drop him unless you're in a league where you have a really deep bench and can afford I'm waiting another to week. him. Yeah, yeah, but it's I am as tough. well. I am as well. Um, but the bills are rolling right along. They don't seem to have any need for him. Singletary, they leaned on pretty heavily down the stretch last year and he balled out. Um, I don't think they're going to be going to James cook as the answer for their offense. So maybe wait one more week. At least if you need someone this week, I think you can go ahead and drop him. Yep. And then last guy sticking it, or sticking with the first round running back theme, Austin Eckler. I mean, he's getting less than 60% of the snaps, less than three yards per carry. I think they're probably trying to keep him fresh for late in the season. But if you took him top five, top six, you've got to be concerned. Yeah, I liked him a lot, obviously. Um, He ended up with 18 points, I believe, against the Chiefs. Not, Not all the way concerned yet. But again, I much rather would have taken a receiver over him in the first round. Yep. I'm at like a solid five on the panic meter. Do you have any other guys, any other notes that you want to rattle off for fantasy here? Um, I guess real quickly, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Adam Thielen, those guys. I'm sorry. I just don't see it this year. You know, maybe Allen gets hot as the season rolls along, builds more chemistry. Solid with week last week. Solid week last week. Let's not freak out yet. If he doesn't come down with a touchdown. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a solid week, but he did. He did, Peter, and that's fantasy football. Yeah. Um, I want volume. Volume is king in fantasy. I would take that 10 times out of 10 over banking on a touchdown from a pass catcher. So Sure, but it's week two with the new quarterback. He's also got the best wide receiver in football across from him, and Stafford clearly is having... A little bit of a hard time trusting his new options, but a great increase from week one in terms of targets and looks his way. So it's a step in the right direction. I'm going to give that one a little bit more time. Yeah. Uh, DK and Thielen, again, if those guys have boom weeks, I think you try to get rid of them. Yeah, I was wrong all along about DK, I'm afraid. I thought they would get him more touches. It looked good week one, the first half, and since not great. I mean, Pete Carroll, he likes to run 20 plays a game, make it as short as possible, and just try to keep it one possession. That does not bode well for fantasy production. All right, let's switch it over to our top league pass teams here. So, you know, NBA league pass, you're always ranking the top teams you like to watch, most exciting, whether for the right or wrong reasons, like the Los Angeles Lakers last year, always on my league pass rankings because they were terrible. It was a ton of fun to watch them. It's like watching reality television. I've got a couple teams that made my list for similar reasons. Peter, you want to start it off with uh, the teams that are at the top of your league pass rankings? Yeah, I thought it would be fun to do this for NFL 
because we all have teams we like to watch when our team's not on. And I have three tiers for teams I am tuning into this year. I'll start with the give first. Give me your top tier. Yeah, give me your top tier first. These are two ascending teams who score a lot of points and have electric playmakers. That is the Detroit Lions and the Miami Dolphins. I'm throwing the Lions, the Lions on every single chance I get. They played the Commanders this last week. And let's be real, this is completely skewed by who I have on my fantasy teams. I have a Monroe <laughs> St. Brown on almost yes, every single one know. of my teams. You have been the biggest believer in him, and I'm sure <laughs> it's worked out well for you. Uh, clearly, it's worked out great. He's gone off, put up close to 40 points this past week. He comes out um, to the press. I think it was today at practice, said he was looking across the sidelines at Diami Brown, the North Carolina receiver who was drafted ahead of him, keeping an eye on him the whole game to see, to prove that he petty. could outperform him. It is petty. It's crazy Great. to me he's good, talking good about this a day after their game, but it is what it is. This dude's a freak show, and he's out to prove a point every single game. The connection's clear with Goff. Eight straight games of A-plus catches. And then DeAndre Swift, if you have him on your team, you got to be feeling great. In limited touches, he still posts big numbers last week, falls to the ground, and shakes and bakes two, three defenders to get into the end zone. They're fun to watch. Goff is clicking. They have an awesome offense. And you might just want to bet the over every single week on them. Goff looks great, man. I really think you could use him in Dynasty. I know you're hurting for that second quarterback, so we can talk later. Did they make your list? I bet the Dolphins did. The Lions actually didn't. They should have been on here. They're definitely in the same vein as the Dolphins, who I have at the top of my list. I'm not Perfect. quite as excited to watch the Lions because like Waddle and Tyreek and Tua and those big names that have been so impactful, whether at college or in the NFL already, naturally drawn to them a little bit more than like Goff and Amon Ra. And I do like the story, the hard knocks narrative. They have been fun to watch, but I've got the dolphins, the chiefs and the cards really as my top teams that I get the most excited about. You're going to be in there. (laughs) How can you not like watching Kyler? I mean, that game against the Raiders last weekend, the second half, that's Kyler in a nutshell and why I still believe in him. So I, I, yeah, those three teams I think are probably the ones that, Definitely are at the top of my rankings, and I feel the most excited watching. Throw them on every week. The Chiefs, I mean, how can you not like watching Mahomes? Plus, I got a lot of Mahomes stock. Got him in fantasy. I've got Clyde in a few leagues, Kelsey in a few, Juju in a few. I'm big on the Chiefs this year, so enjoying watching them play and win so far. Yeah, um, this week with the Dolphins facing the Bills, I think we're actually going to figure out if they're any good. You know, they only scored 14 points through three quarters against Baltimore. That game easily could have gone the other way. And we're like, ah, the Dolphins aren't that fun, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but some fluky stuff went the Ravens way early. I mean, they returned the opening kick. They got an insane interception that just bounced around between like three receivers and DBs and somehow ended up in someone's hands. Like there was some fluky stuff that went Baltimore's way. That could have been like a 21-14 game and not 35-14. Right, uh, but clearly the Waddle-Tyreek tandem is insanely difficult to cover. They can stretch the field in ways no other team in the league can. And then Gesicki, who we kind of thought was going to be buried this season, makes a crazy athletic catch in the back of the end zone. They just have all these great playmakers, and Tua delivers the ball 
accurately despite what the haters say on passes over 10 plus yards he's he's the most accurate in the league uh through two weeks so high on them my next tier i have the chiefs and the bills it's the quarterback play of mahomes and josh allen i don't know how you can't enjoy what you're seeing with those two yep and then they're kind of in my next bunch i have the chargers the bills and then the Jags, I've been excited by the Jags. A lot of talent on that team. I definitely have ETN in a couple fantasy leagues, so I've been <laughs> tuning in because of that. I got Lawrence in one as well. It's been fun to see them be competitive and make that leap. It looks like Trayvon Walker's going to pan out. I mean, yeah, they've hit huge on game a against number Washington. of draft picks. Looks really good, man. Looks had a, really had a sack good. and a pick. And Hutchison looks good, too. I mean, he had three sacks last week, so both yeah. those guys have been absolute beasts. But Chargers, um, Jags, Bills, you got to throw the Bills in there. I'm not as on board with them as everyone else. Like, I'm not ready to give the Super Bowl to them already. I think Miami could hang. I think we're going to find out a lot about them. We're going to find out if Miami is legit, and we're going to find out if Buffalo's as good as everyone thinks they are because if Buffalo's really that team, they should beat a quarterback like Tua that's inexperienced and has struggled at times, even if talented. They should beat them by 21 points if they're really that team and as good as everyone thinks. Now, we'll see what Miami is because I've got a, a pretty strong gut feeling they're going to hang in that game. And I think Miami's legit. Yeah, I have the Jags on here as well. Uh, one, I want to see Doug Peterson. You know, he, it's it's a redemption story for him. Um, I don't... I don't know that the way that everything ended in Philly was handled the right way. Clearly Philly's kind of <laughs> Philly's kind of figured it out with Sirianni and Hertz, but that's a different story. I'm rooting for Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's been hyped up since high school. He's finally putting it together a little bit. He's got good coaches around him to really coach him up. Completely different environment than last year with Urban. And then I love the Christian Kirk pickup and the two running backs. We've already talked about ETN ad nauseum. Robinson's a nice one to punch. And then in the past game, man, Christian Kirk looks fantastic the way they're yeah. using him. Um, just rooting for them. They're fun to watch. Good skill players. And then on the other or on the flip side, a team I think is a lot of fun to watch because you don't know what you're going to get. The Denver Broncos led by Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. 100%. I don't know how you can't put that team on your TV every time they're playing. I mean, did you see the video I sent in our group text this morning of Russell Wilson on the sidelines? Yeah, I did. That was bad. That was bad. It made me rethink some things. Now, we'll get there in a second on big swinging picks for this week. Oh. But the Denver Broncos, holy shit, you got to tune in and watch them because it's it's fireworks for the wrong reasons a lot of times early on in the season. I think the same thing with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they'll turn it around, and they're not quite as much on my list for the wrong reasons because they still have a really exciting young offense, and I think at some point it's going to start to click and look like the Bengals that we saw in the playoffs and down the stretch last year. But they've been pretty bad so far, and a lot of turnovers, a lot of pressure to the quarterback and Joe Burrow, and it's been entertaining. Not for the best reasons if you're a Bengals fan, though, so far. On the flip side, are there any teams that you just kind of despise watching this year? Yeah, the Cowboys, the every year. (laughs) All right, we don't even need to get into that one. The Vikings and Titans after last night. I I don't care to watch them in primetime for a while. Okay, so Vikings outside of primetime, I think, are really fun. Um, 
we'll we'll get to that. Um, but oh. I actually have the Rams in the Bucks. I think the Rams are terribly boring to watch. The week one game against the Bills stunk. Last week stunk. All they do is try to run the ball on the early downs to no avail and then throw it to Cooper Cup on third down who bails them out and does something kind of cool. But I've seen it so many times. reason I like watching. It doesn't give me that too much. I've got too much Cooper Cup stock. I enjoy watching them just because he constantly gets fed and produces every game. And I enjoy watching that. So that leaves me happy enough where I can tune in again. But if you remove Cooper Cup from that team, yeah, I would never watch them. Yeah. And if you don't own Cup in fantasy, why would you ever tune into them? It's so boring. They're the most predictable team Especially if team you're playing against the him. NFL. That's just painful. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Bucks, on the other hand, like, until those receivers get back, I'm going to sleep during those games. Yeah, that Green Bay game is going to be rough. It's going to be rough. There's going to be a lot of defense played in that this weekend. Yep. All right. Big swing and pitch. One other quick note. Yeah, one other quick note on the Jags really quick. Zay Jones and Evan Ingram also been pretty solid additions. That's an entirely new offense. I think they're going to get better and better week by week. And then, holy shit, if they go make a trade and bring in a real receiver or draft one next year, Look out for that Jags offense. They might be good for the next decade or so. I'm excited about it, man. The jerseys look pretty cool, too. I am, too. I've started buying some Lawrence stock. I've I've collected some Trevor Lawrence rookie cards. There you go. All right. Let's do this. Week three. Big swinging picks. We told you we both lost last week, but we're bouncing back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before we go through, before we go to our picks, let's recap week two real quick. Yeah, so you came in with the over on Juju's yards, took the prop. Very unfortunate week for Juju and the Chiefs. I mean, I can, I can, I can talk about mine. <laughs> oh, I mean, you said the picks. I gave one pick. Recapping the picks would have been both of them, sir. Um, I had the Bengals, and then I also had the Chiefs. Chiefs got it done. Didn't throw to Juju. Sorry, let you talk about that in a second. And then the Bengals. They played like shit. Offensive line was terrible. Micah Parsons got whatever he wanted. Somehow they did not win that game. So I fall <laughs> to 0 and 2 on two bullshit games so far. I'm staying away from the bullshit games this weekend. All right. And yes, I did have Juju. Sorry for being aggressive. I'm pissed off because this was a total lock. Over 57 and a half receiving yards. He only gets three targets in one of the strangest game plans I've ever seen from Andy Reid. I don't know what the hell they were doing. It seemed like they were trying to make it difficult to beat the Chargers. They weren't throwing the ball. I think they ball. were trying to throw him off. I don't know. Juju was blocking. Juju was blocking well, yeah, on some he's, plays. He's big. He's a physical guy. It makes sense. Yeah, but um, he's not known for his blocking. Marquez Valdez-Scantling more so for being physical at the line of scrimmage. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling was out wide running routes while Juju's blocking. I just, I didn't get it, man. I, 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 think you ha- I personally think you have that backwards, but... That doesn't matter. Um, I disagree. Three targets for Juju, three catches for 10 yards. They did not throw the ball vertically except for a 30-yard ball to Hardman and then a 41-yard touchdown to Justin Watson. They had some success when they actually tried to, but instead they had this vanilla game plan. Uh, They end up pulling out the dub thanks to a big pick six from the rookie Jalen Watson. Um yeah, I'm a little concerned about Juju now after that. I think they'll start to air it out a little bit more as the season goes on, but 
one stat I'll throw you that might make you feel a little better. He's second on the team in wide receiver routes run, 61 on 77 Patrick Mahomes dropbacks. MVS leads them at 64. So we're holding on to Juju, but that was very concerning. I mean, yeah, I guess MVS is usually out wide more and kind of the deep threat, but everything that I heard on him out of Green Bay and a reason why they brought him in is he's physical at the line of scrimmage, getting off his routes. Like when people try to jam him, he doesn't have issues. And with Juju, I've never thought of him as a blocker. I just never have. I don't see him as someone he's bigger, but I don't see him being physical at the line of scrimmage necessarily. I just, I was shocked <laughs> to see him blocking and not running routes. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I don't know. I, I was just shocked. It was almost like Juju was being used like a tight end at times is how I felt. Yeah, no, it, it really did seem that way. Um, but that was a huge swing and miss on my end. So I'm one and one still up a little over half a unit though. Thanks to Gabe Davis plus odds. All right, well, what do you got for next week? I won't spoil your pick or talk about it. I don't even know. So the floor is yours. <laughs> All right. My pick this week, I'm going two and a half units. Let's just have some fun with it. Oh, shit. I'm taking the Lions plus six at Minnesota. It's not a primetime spot. So I do think the Vikings bounce back in a big way. They will score points. But I think this game is a shootout. I almost thought about taking the over, but I haven't seen enough from the Vikings defense to tell me they're going to slow down this Lions O, who is firing on all cylinders right now. Give me the Lions plus six. This is going to be a fun one. You're going to want to have it on. It's going to be all over red zone. I agree with that. I think there will be a lot of points, most likely. It's 53. I get a little bit... I get a little bit scared about the Vikings and their performance last week because there's no way the defense plays anywhere close to that bad again. They've got to get better. I mean, they're not that bad of a unit. They're not that poorly coached. They're at home. I could see them coming back pretty strong, but I do think Detroit will hang. I mean, I'd look at maybe, for me personally, like teasing Detroit to plus 12 and then getting the over down to like 46, 46 and a half, getting one of those two in a teaser maybe. Yeah, no, I like the idea. Um, even thought about it, but I'm I'm trying to stay away from teasers on my big swinging picks, and I just yeah, wanna, I've learned my lesson there. <laughs> I just want to ride the Lions, and I do think they keep this one close. Could come down to a field goal at the end of the game. They might be the better team. Like they might actually be better than the Vikings this year. So yeah. I don't think it's a bad bet. I think they have just a chance. A little to win. worried with. Yeah, I'm a little worried with the Vikes coming off a loss, but yeah, I genuinely believe the Lions might win more games than them. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. Week three, baby. What you got for me? All right, well, I'm down two units, so I'm going two units on, wait for it, Sunday Night Football, the Denver Broncos. Whoa, not at all what I was expecting. They're a home dog, all right? They're plus one and a half. Well, I actually see him at plus two now. I was going to take the money line, but I'm going to take him at plus two just in case the 49ers win on some crazy field goal to put him up by a point. Play it safe a little bit. The money line's only plus 105. So we're going to do two units on the Broncos plus two, and that's going to be to bring me back to even. 
And my rationale behind this is they have been so disappointing and Russell Wilson has been so bad. And this is the classic public overreact, throw the line up there, throw it in San Fran's favor. So they're going to be a point, point and a half favorite. And the public is just hammering the Niners. I saw something. It was over 80% of the public money was on the Niners. No one's picking the Broncos. Everyone's making fun of Hackett, making fun of Russell Wilson. I'm not the biggest fan of either of them, especially with the way the season started, but they're not complete morons. Russell Wilson hasn't had the success that he has had being a mediocre quarterback and a product of Pete Carroll's system. Pete Carroll just wants to run the ball and turn the clock. The guy's got talent, okay? And Nathaniel Hackett is a good offensive mind. He's just shit his pants a couple times in the first two weeks. They're going to figure it out. They're at home. As long as the Broncos don't come out slow and Russ doesn't start getting booed by the home crowd again. That's my only concern. But looking at the Niners, their entire offensive plan has changed. <clears throat> yes, they're familiar with Jimmy. Yeah, and some of them where maybe they kind of have their guy back. But they're going to have to rework a lot of things changed the play call up quite a bit compared to what it was going to be going into this season. And that's something that's kind of a morale. You could say maybe a boost to some people getting Jimmy back, but that's got to be kind of a drainer and bring you down, seeing your starting guy go down for the year. So I like the Broncos. So I get why you're jumping on the Broncos here this week, but I actually saw the the huddles faces when Jimmy came in the game they're patting him on the head they're all smiling ear to ear pumped he's back they've been there done that we've talked about it I think yeah. it's gonna be a pretty easy transition to bringing him back in all that, that said compared to another guy yes but I mean, still it's change it's change y- yeah but I mean he's been to a Super Bowl I'm I don't know if I'm buying that narrative for this week, but I do think the Broncos have a good chance to cover. I will give you that. Are you not at all, all right. concerned about Jerry Judy, though? We're not certain about his status. Yeah, we don't know if he's going to play, but there's other guys there. I mean, he didn't even look at Albert O last week. You've still got Sutton, who's yeah, been pretty good. He that. seems... <laughs> Yeah, Sutton (laughs) seems like his guy. He seems like the one, the receiver he's connected with the most that he's turning to in some of the short yarded situations or the third and long go up and get it plays and must need time. So I think Sutton's going to eat. I think Albert O will have a decent game. And then you've got the two running backs that you can lean on. You've also got KJ Hamler there and he likes his tight ends. There's two others besides Albert O that he likes throwing to. So yeah, I I think that they're going to be fine. Okay. I like the spin zone there. What do you think about this theory that the only reason Hackett was hired was to try to get Aaron Rodgers? That Probably changed, a little bit of truth to it. Change the way Probably you think a little about bit. him. No. Because I think that's just good business. You know, he was probably in the mix. He was probably one of their top guys, and they figured, hey, we've got him and a couple others. We don't feel crazy and different. If there's a chance that this guy also brings us Rodgers, then you know, let's just go with him. Yeah. All right, there you have it. That's going to be a fun one to watch on Sunday Night Football. Um, I hope. I hope it's not a 13 to 10 snoozer. Very well could be. (laughs) Could be. I think the Broncos are due for a breakout week offensively, though. I just don't see them playing that bad three weeks in a row. They got a decent line. It's Russell Wilson, and even if Judy doesn't play, the weapons are still not bad. Yeah, true, true. Okay, 
We're both on dogs this week. I'm on Lions plus six, two and a half units against the Vikings. Turn that one on TV, baby. It's going to be a shootout. And you are on Sunday Night Football Broncos plus two, one and a half? Plus two. And be careful, bro. Don't talk about my pick. <laughs> Don't talk about my pick. <laughs> All right. There you have it. Our week three big swinging picks. Before we get out of here, though, I got to throw this Woj bomb at you. So from just now, 30 minutes ago, Boston Celtics Phoenix? coach Ime oh, no. Udoka is facing possible disciplinary action, including a significant suspension for an unspecified violation of organizational guidelines. Discussions are ongoing within the Celtics on a final determination. Oh, man, that doesn't sound good. Not at all. I don't know. I don't what even want to try means. to speculate. It sounds like he did something pretty bad. I don't even want to try to speculate what, though. But did you see the Sarver stuff today? I was going to mention that as well. <laughs> Ding dong, the Wicked Witch is dead, baby. I wish the NBA would have came down with a heavier hand. I'm glad the organization and the minority owners spoke up. The fans have been speaking up for a long time. Let's get this freaking loser out of town. Bright yeah. future ahead. Adam Silver got dogged on for his press conference last week. I'm wondering if he knew that this sale was imminent and yep. maybe that's why he handled the press conference the way he did. Uh, but this is a huge dub for the NBA getting rid of Robert Sarver, who by all accounts is a trash owner, not a good person. Yeah, not a good person. That's the more important thing. Not just a shitty owner. He's not just Jim Dolan. He's also a huge scumbag, so glad yeah. to see this guy leaving town. <laughs> doesn't treat people great. Doesn't like to pay players that deserve it. Uh, so if they can get a gung-ho ownership group who wants to do all everything they can to win, that's going to attract free agents. That's going to keep Devin Booker happy. Uh, big yeah. win for Jackson and here. A big win, man. And Sarver also wanted to have a hand in management decisions. I mean, he was involved in a lot of the ops when he probably shouldn't have been. And it makes me wonder how involved he was in some of our draft picks that were significant busts over the years and some of the different contract negotiations and the way that some things have played out. I wonder how much of it he had to do with because I know not all of it's been James Jones or, you know, the crew that was before him. Um, totally blanket on his name, Ryan McDonough. McDonough. You know, I'm wondering how much of the rap they took for what was probably piss poor decisions by Sarver. So glad to have him out of town, man. I wrote a, uh, I wrote a five or six page paper in college about why he was everything wrong with the Phoenix Suns and how he would never win a championship till he was <laughs> gone. So might have to pull that out of the archives and reread hey, that this week. That aged pretty well. <laughs> I have to post that online or something. I don't know. I, I said some strongly worded stuff. I had a cool professor. <laughs> Might not have aged that well after all. All right. There you go. Good news for Jackson. Good news whenever we cash our big swinging picks this week. We are out of here. You guys know the drill. Give us that five-star rating. Please leave a review. Tell a friend. And we'll be back next week. Peace. Peace.